0: Mm-hmm. On air, this is a show where expats talk to each other on the internet, and we're here today with Daily Dose Danny. How you doing?
1: Hi Nate, how are you?
0: I'm pretty good. Now we can say your
1: beautiful intro.
0: (laughs) Oh right, right. We can say your actual name. But I don't know how to say your last name, and you're going to hate me for this because I've worked with you, and you've told me how to say it, and I still can't do it. So Danielle Pata... Pata... Pata what?
1: Well, Americans would say potgita, but because I'm South African and I'm actually Afrikaans, it's actually Danielle Pata but I'm actually dating an American guy, and he for the life of him can't say my last name, so it's always like Danny Pot Tiger or something. It's, It's easier.
0: Pot Tiger. Now that, that I can remember
1: Pot-tiger. it sounds cooler, it sounds cooler.
0: <laughs> can you say the Afrikaans one more time
1: sure so it's
0: potriter. chiter yes yeah we're
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: getting there <laughs> I'll practice when I'm at home tonight so you. you're an ex you. <laughs> sorry yeah bit of a delay so sorry if I cut you off it'll probably happen about 18 more times on the show uh, but why don't you tell us about yourself you're an expat You're South African, you're white, a white African in Hong Kong. And tell us what that's all about.
1: No, I get that all about, uh, all the time, actually. Um, So I'm South African. I grew up in Cape Town. And um, I think I was 18 or 19. And then um, me and my friends decided to go to Aspen for the first time. And I went skiing in America. And I thought it was incredible. It was my first time seeing snow because we don't have snow in South Africa. Uh, we do, but I mean, not to that extent. Anyway, so I learned how to scheme into to ask back home and I tried to work and do the normal life and stuff. And then I think the travel bug just bit me. Like I wanted to see more of the world. So then 2011, I left Cape Town and I moved to Seoul, South Korea, where I started teaching for a year. Um, just to realize I don't like kids enough to teach. So I should probably start to find something else to do. So I, I then freelanced and I did all these other things and eventually ended up at a digital agency in Korea. And I had a French boss, he was absolutely adorable. I think one of the first uh, French people I really got to know. Um, and then after that, did that for a few years, worked for, for GoPro, traveled to the US a lot, so I got got to, to know the US a bit better. And then after that, I got a job offer, as you know, here in Hong Kong. So then in 2019, I moved from Korea to Hong Kong. And then that's where we started working together. And um, yeah, I'm still here. Love it. So
0: cool. All right. That kind of sums up what brought you to Hong Kong. Well, I mean, what was it about Asia in general that attracted you?
1: Well, I think because so my mom runs her own um, import and export company, so she would always fly to China for business. Um, and I think because of that, um, I always thought, well, Asia obviously has so much technology and um, it's very interesting for business and trade. So for that reason, I don't particularly remember why I chose Korea. I think at the, that point in time, China wasn't super appealing for me. and Japan, the visas might have been difficult. So I think Korea was like the second best option. But back then, honestly, there weren't so many expats. Um, when I landed there in 2011, it only really started getting popular with K-pop and stuff a few years later. But now it's like so many expats that live there.
0: Right. Yeah, a lot of English teachers, a lot of military, US military. Yeah. A buddy of mine used to be stationed over there. And i, I visit, that's like the only time I went to Korea, I visited an a army base.
1: And how was that? I've never actually been in there.
0: Uh, It was cool. You know, they didn't let me in. I kind of hung out outside the army base, but, you know, anywhere you went for fun, it was, like, all U.S. soldiers. A lot of men, a lot of women, you know, they look like normal people, you know, out of uniform.
1: Yeah, I know what you mean. I think um, that kind of, not to say, it gave me a different perception of Americans when i lived in korea versus coming to hong kong and meeting expats here and yes they're from the same country but because hong kong's got such a entre- entrepreneurial business vibe i feel like it, it's just so different because like i met soldiers and teachers in korea right and, and some business people here and there in between but hong kong is like a lot less of that and more like the business side of things so you get to meet so many experts here but it's just very different conversation um very different vibe altogether
0: have you met any weird bankers that have weird fetishes and stuff like that in hong kong
1: <laughs> well i've heard there's lots of craziness that goes on i'm not particularly into the whole crazy scene but actually someone did tell me i think when i first arrived in hong kong there was i don't know if you heard the story there was this famous banker many years ago cuz here the banking industry is so hectic people are doing cocaine all the time just to stay awake right um and anyway so this banker lived in this beautiful hotel suite in one chai. and one night he got himself to filipino um, ladies to entertain him for the evening and as you do yeah as you do it's hong kong and um and he got so off his face and i think lack of sleep and the combination of stress and too much drugs he ended up murdering these two ladies and chopped them up in suitcases or something. And um, and he's still here in Hong Kong, um, in jail, obviously. <laughs> <but he's>, Good. <laughs> okay. Oh, he's my neighbor. Great he guy. He's my neighbor. I know him. He's lovely. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it's just a crazy story because I feel like people in Hong Kong sort of realize it's, it's really hard to have a balanced life here. So that's why I, I've been loving sort of not to you know um but for COVID and quarantine and all of this has actually been really good for everyone because you've had to relax and chill out and breathe and you can't hop around to all the countries because that's how hong kong was before right it was really hard to sort of connect to people because it's like oh sorry next month i'm here next month i'm there like you're always hopping around so it's definitely been interesting to to see people be focused and more healthy and and health conscious here
0: That's interesting, because usually people don't say, COVID was really good for me.
1: I think it was great. So it (laughs) it seemed to
0: work for Hong Kong. People got to chill out. It definitely
1: worked for Hong Kong, yeah. And then
0: people realized, all all these white-collar workers are like, wait, I don't need to go to the office. This is so easier, so much easier.
1: Yeah, exactly. I feel like 2020 has been a great year for introverts. And I feel like a lot of people that I attracted to... (laughs) they're like, well, it's been great because if I work from home, no one's interrupting me, you know, because normally 10 people are coming to your desk, asking you questions, sort of interrupts your workflow. So a lot of people, I think I've I've seen it as a blessing in disguise. Um, But obviously there's ups and downs to it. But um, I personally did the quarantine for 14 days after traveling to the US and I had this big fear for quarantining. I was like, oh my God, I don't want to travel. This is going to be so like, I can't do this. I love the outdoors. And then we ended up quarantining me and my um, partner and we built a puzzle like i don't remember the last time i built a puzzle have you ever built a puzzle
0: yeah um cool. i would say my son built a puzzle more recently than me i didn't participate i watched it was very hmm. exciting gripping if you will
1: there you uh
0: go. i'm not a big <laughs> puzzle person now but I I enjoy other things. You know, I got this new gaming PC, so I started playing games again. That's been cool.
1: Oh, cool! What games are you playing?
0: Uh, Cyberpunk 2077. I play that without my son because he's only six years old. And then I play Minecraft Dungeons with my son because it's not too violent and doesn't have that cool. <laughs> doesn't have uh, full frontal full frontal nudity like uh, Cyberpunk does.
1: There you go. We actually invested in the VR this year and the old school PS so we could play the old school Mario and stuff. Nice. It's been a a year for gamers, for sure.
0: Yeah. So do you think there was like a mad scientist introvert who really wanted a better life and he invented this virus to make the world suitable for introverts?
1: Yeah, I think it was an introvert person and a gamer that got together one day and they're like we need to make life better for us and then they they worked together and they made this virus and that's how it all happened.
0: <laughs> and jokes jokes YouTube YouTube please don't ban me. This is these are comments made in jest. You don't need to get all sensitive and ban our YouTube channel for just making a joke. I hate you YouTube. Sorry, I move on. Um now, I don't want to get into Hong Kong politics. I mean, that's a, that's a big touchy subject right now. I have my own views on that, but I don't really want this show to be about my political views. So I, I kind of don't want to get too into that. But I do want to know your opinion on what? how do you compare Hong Kong to the mainland?
1: Um, well, funny enough, when I first had the job offer with the company that we both worked at, they were like, oh, we have offices in Shanghai or Hong Kong, which one would you prefer? And I said to them, I don't mind, because I kind of like both. And then eventually, I think a week or two later, they came back to me and said, we think you're best suited for Hong Kong. And I was like, cool. Um, So in one way, I think China is good for future business opportunities. They are the future market. And if you don't tap into them, I think it's a big loss for your business. Um, I do think that they are going to play a big role in the future economy. Um, I recently started reading the book that Ray Dahlia wrote um, about sort of investments and the future of of China and stuff like that. I know he's probably heavily invested in China, hence why he's rooting so much for them. Um, But I think business wise and uh, global economy, China has a big role to play for sure. Would I want to live there? Um, I think unless I had like a really solid business idea where I knew I needed to work in China and remain in China, I don't think I would love to live there. I have some girlfriends that I chat to, a South African girl I met in Korea. She lives there now and she loves it. Um, But I think after experiencing Hong Kong, I don't think I could easily go live there.
0: Hmm. And you visited. Correct.
1: So, China, many times, because mm-hmm. um, my my mother used to do business there, or she still does for many years. So, I traveled all around, went to all the factories with her. I can't pronounce any of the down cities, though. It's Guangzhou, <laughs> is it? Guangzhou. Yes, that one. Um, so, there we went on the speed train, we did Shanghai. So, I've been to China numerous times, um, but I don't know, I couldn't do it. After living in Hong Kong, no way. Because actually my, my guy friend that I met on an airplane going to Singapore, he's half Belgium, what's he, half Belgium something, anyway, his name is Yan, he lived here in Hong Kong and he works for a big um, Belgium beer company. And he actually moved a few months ago with his Korean wife to Shanghai. And i was like are you are you bummed out to leave hong kong like I you know career-wise it's great for you and he's like yeah because every time i talk to people that's in shanghai they don't have the hikes they don't have the beaches we have they don't have the english culture where it, literally in central it feels like i'm in europe and then if i go over to cali side, i'm like oh yeah I, i'm in asia um so it's like it's that i think that you could never get in shanghai the fact that you're stuck in the city well you used to live there so you know yeah. that."
0: Shanghai's cool. Yeah. I mean, it it doesn't feel like Europe, but it a lot a lot of it looks like Europe, just with all the architecture, the colonial architecture, obviously. Now, now you said something I, I thought that was kind of interesting. You're like, yeah, I went to China. I've been all over. I saw all the factories. Usually, people you know are like, oh yeah, I went to Tiananmen Square. I went to Xi'an, saw the terracotta warriors. You're like, oh yeah, I saw I saw cell phones being made. It was great.
1: <laughs> it was beautiful.
0: <laughs> all right so you don't want to you don't want to live there but do you see yourself relocating anywhere in the next five years i know you don't you don't want to go back to south africa to live is that correct
1: correct yes
0: so where do you see yourself for vacations totally (laughs) vacations
1: yeah i totally recommend it my my boyfriend's been dying to go but as you know we have like new three new strains in South Africa. So a lot of friends that have actually just traveled back home are stuck there. My brother's been stuck there for over a year because he used to live in Vietnam and he was trying to go to Beijing for work. So our passports are just an absolute no-no right now. And with all the viruses um, and the strains going on in South Africa and the government being useless with actually putting up money to get the vaccines into the country, um, so South Africa is looking quite dim. Um, so even though I want to visit, I do not think it's worth it to go get stuck there, um, so I won't go home. But then again, I've been living in Asia for a decade, and I think I normally go home every four years mm. um, because I would normally meet my family in China or somewhere else in the world. So I, I've sort of try to make that a habit with them to try and get them out of the country as well. Um, so yeah, sorry, you were going to ask me something.
0: Oh, I forgot what that was, but I have another question. So being a okay. South African, having that passport, even before Covid, wasn't it challenging to travel?
1: Oh, hundred percent. Like I just went to the states, right? bit of a, and you would imagine with the current situation, they check my temperature first. So I arrived in um, the airport, and um, I'm imagining they're gonna test me or something. They did nothing. They were super friendly for a minute um, until they opened up my passport. And then they're like, oh, so what are you, what are you doing here? I'm like, oh, I'm, my, I'm visiting my boyfriend and his family. And, um, and they're like, so what do you do? I'm like, oh, freelance. And they're like, oh, so you can work from anywhere. And I was like, yeah. Mm. And as I say that, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and then they're like, come with us, please. And I go to the back room, and there's all these big security guards with their guns, and they're going through my suitcase. And I'm like, I should not have said I'm a freelancer. Like, that didn't go down well with these boys. Um, but, I mean, I feel like that happens every time I land in the States. Um, which is weird, because I'd be the only Caucasian in the line of Mexicans and Asians. And they always pull me aside. So, it has to be the South African passport. I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, which... But, was yeah. that LA? Like, which port were you in?
1: Um, I flew into Detroit.
0: Oh. Yeah, it's, it's not the most friendly, I would say. I'd say Boston is less friendly. I've been to plenty of airports in America going through immigration, and you really vary from super friendly to like mean and aggressive for absolutely no reason. It's it's weird.
1: Yeah, but I've had that at all the, the U.S., um sort of um immigrations but actually when i went to i don't remember if you remember when ebola and all those african viruses were going around i remember being nervous to travel then as well even though i'm south african not from any of the african countries but i was like i hope they don't pull me aside but then i'm like okay i am caucasian south african like and i'm from south africa maybe they're only stopping african passports so um yes it's quite interesting so But yeah, it's not the best passport. I think all of us are quite upset with our parents or great grandparents, which are European, because a lot of the South African families actually did maintain the European or the British passports and their kids are easily able to go and live abroad. Um, But some of our parents didn't do that. Um, And because it was my great grandparents who are German, um, I couldn't apply because it would have had to be my grandparents. It was a generation too far back
0: okay are there a lot of germans that immigrated to south africa
1: yeah so it was colonized by the dutch um and then the british came and then we had the Boer war which was against the english and the dutch and my grandfather was in in that i think um so south africa yeah i mean i was talking to two americans about south africa last night because me and my boyfriend watched the movie blood diamond and um and as they would they would obviously ask quite a bit of questions about south africa because it's such a beautiful country Um, And every time I go home, I feel like, oh, it's getting better. Like it's, um, you know, it's a great, great country. And I really recommend anyone to go visit there. But for me, it's the safety thing. I think because I've lived in Asia for so long and I love hikes and I love walking up in the mountain 10 p.m. at night if I want on my own. And I think every time I go home, I feel like a bird stuck in a cage because it's like, oh, did I lock the car door? Where's my wallet? Um, It's too late. I should probably not be walking around alone. And I just don't wanna live like that. Even though it's a beautiful country, you know, you you always have to worry.
0: Yeah, I lived there briefly for three months when I was in high school. I lived in Johannesburg, and I lived in this gated community called Danefern. Have you heard of that place? Danefern, where were you? It's in, it was near Johannesburg, kind of between Johannesburg and Pretoria. Big gated community. There's like probably like a thousand giant houses in there. We had a lovely house. It was, it was nice, but, you know, you get to the gate and there's armed guards and you drive to school and you need an armed guard in your car. It was just, it felt very, I don't know, dystopian, you could say.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but I feel like Jerberg's for sure worse than Cape Town, where you were. Um, Jerberg has higher crime rates and carjackings and stuff like that. Cape Town's a bit better, but still not hundreds.
0: Yeah, some of the, the local Afrikaans people we'd met, like, within a year or two, a number of them had been murdered, you know? Like, we, we stayed at this um, hotel uh, when we first moved there, before we got our house. And then, like, a year afterwards, some, some people came in and raped all the women, killed everybody, and stole a bunch of stuff. And that was, like, oh, it's another day in Joburg.
1: Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's crazy that people choose to live like that. But then again, I feel like you know what happened in Zimbabwe many years ago, right?
0: Yeah. Why don't you explain yeah, it for it. the for the audience? Sorry? Why don't you explain what happened there for the audience?
1: I feel like we're getting very political and we shouldn't.
0: Okay. That's <laughs> that's fine. I, yeah.
1: I feel like sometimes it's dangerous to give your personal opinions online because it lives online you know what i mean
0: <laughs> fair enough fair enough i'm not gonna send the twitter mob after the white south african all right um, i did want to ask you like it, since you don't want to go back home do you imagine yourself relocating could you see yourself going to a different continent within the next five years or so
1: Yeah, 100%. Like um, somebody asked me the other day, they're like, where do you think you'd end up? And I was like, I have no idea. I just know that I'll forever be an expat. Um, I maybe, maybe I get married and I'll go to wherever my partner's country is. Or maybe I remain in Hong Kong. Um, I honestly don't know. I know Hong Kong is a great policy where if you live here for seven years, you get your residency. So that was a thought that I had for a minute is, I could stick it out, stay here for seven years. It's been two, almost. Um, Or if my partner needed to move somewhere else, I'd be happy to to tag along. Um, So yeah, I don't know, I'm pretty flexible. My brothers wanted to immigrate to Canada. There's some good options for South Africans to immigrate there. Hmm. Um, So I honestly don't know, Um, who knows?
0: And your partner's (laughs) from the US, right?
1: Yeah, he's from the US, but um, I mean, again, Who knows where we're all going to end up, you know, because we were joking the other day, and he's like, for the same amount, you could buy a small apartment here in Hong Kong, you could go buy yourself a winery in South Africa. Mm. Um, You know, so it's like, it depends on where do you want to live, what's the quality of life you want, um, and I guess, figure it out from there. Do you think you'll remain in the States?
0: Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't mind going back abroad, but I definitely want like a house. I want a home base here in the States and I'm in the process of getting that all set up. But yeah, you know, I started my own business recently. It's going all right. I want to keep building on that and just build a life for myself here, but it doesn't rule out, you know, taking a gig for three years in another country. I could do something like that. My, that's what my, that's how I got into this life. My dad was working for a automotive company and he would, get transferred every few years So we lived in South Africa for one we lived in Japan Taiwan and uh, they lived in Philippines Indonesia they've lived all over
1: yeah but I feel like you get addicted to it so I'm worried that maybe one day it would be hard to just remain somewhere
0: I don't know I got a car I'm in my car right now I got the heated seats going it's snowing or it was snowing I can I can even show you I'll just there's snow on the ground oh, out here. Wow. Yeah. Oh,
1: that's beautiful.
0: Unusual oh, is... Unusual for Texas.
1: Uh, yeah. No, I know what you mean. There's certain luxuries that come with basing yourself and, and staying somewhere for a long time. Rather than hopping around. I feel like I for the last few years I've I've moved so often. And it's like, you uproot yourself the whole time and then you have to network and make friends again. And so it's it's definitely a lot of energy each time you decide to move countries.
0: For sure. Would you, like how big is your social group in Hong Kong, would you say?
1: Um, I make friends really fast because I think what was to my advantage is, well, one, I've been abroad so long. And secondly, I actually reconnected with a lot of friends from Korea. Who I had no idea was here so I think on my Instagram stories they saw that I was moving here and I just reconnected with a lot of people I met a South African girl in the bar in Korea we were friends on Instagram and a year later we both moved here and now we're best friends so nice um, such as life so yeah no actually I didn't have any problem I feel like um, it's such an open community here the expats are super welcoming um, so no I met people really like fast through friends um, I've got a lot of Belgian friends people from France I just met recently. I, as you, I have started my podcast to, to sort of create more opportunity to network and talk to people. And through that, I've also obviously met a lot of people. But before that, just chill on the beach and end up chatting to people and then your friends. You know, I feel like you latch on to people a lot faster when you're abroad because it's like, well, we're all so far away from home. Each other is all we have.
0: Yeah, it's like going to summer camp. You make these really tight bonds really quickly and they last forever.
1: Exactly, exactly
0: that. So let's talk about that. You have a podcast, Daily Dose Danny. I got your Instagram pulled up right here, and uh, let me let me pull up your Anchor dot FM page. So check out Daily's po- or Daily Dose Danny's podcast. <laughs> but tell us what is this about? Daily dose? Are you dosing micro dosing LSD? Shrooms, what's, what's the dose? What's the dose with the Daily Danny?
1: OK, so um, Daily Dose Danny, I think me and my girlfriends came up with a name in Korea one day, just for my Instagram handle. And then my, my parents would always tease me and say, like, I'm like a daily, daily dose of happiness because I feel like I'm always super positive and, I'm, like, everything will be fine. I'm always, like, really encouraging people. And I always try to see, like, the, the best in life, I guess. So Daily Dose studying was a way for me to just sort of share that of like, help get people inspired, help motivate people, um, help share that joy and community, um, which is important for me. So especially now during this time where I feel like I can't go and flying and to my friends and doing like that, this has been such a great tool to, to network and talk to other people and stay motivated and inspired. Um, so the whole idea behind Daily Dose is sort of just to build a community to talk to mostly female startups, um, but I'm not ruling out any male startups. Um, but that's yeah, nice basically you. talking to them and hearing about how they started their business and how they can sort of motivate or encourage other people to do so. Um, so yeah, so that's sort of the rough gist of what it's about.
0: Cool. And then you you had a recent episode curating a life abroad in Asia. I got it pulled up right here. Um, so if you are interested to hear more about. Danny's expat life or her friend who lives in Korea you can check out that episode uh, we'll try not to talk about the same things on this episode as we talked about on that episode so I want to give them a reason to go there learn more thank you be sure to like subscribe <laughs> smash that like button uh, now your Instagram looks a little motivational are you some kind of influencer is this your life now?
1: <laughs> no, I, I think it's, um, again, I, I think it comes back to motivating people and encouraging people to build their dreams. So, um, yeah, so again, I'm using it as a network platform, um, as a way to spread the joy and the motivation, I think, because it's been such a tough year for so many people. And so many people that I know, um, as a result, have started their own companies and tried to do something that they love, or lost their jobs and came up with other solutions. Um, So I think it's a year where we need positive reinforcement, where we need a sense of community, where people are just encouraging and supporting us. Because even myself, I feel like I went through some dips, and then I'll connect with someone new through my podcast, and I'll feel re-inspired again and re-motivated. So I really do think that continuing to spread the joy and, um, and helping motivate people it's just like a really important way to to grow your own brand or your own presence online.
0: Yeah, I think it's great what you're doing and a lot of what you're talking about like you mentioned it's it's talking to women uh in startups or tech or who entrepreneurial types. What what advice would you give young expat women who are kind of getting started with their careers?
1: Um I think what I've told a lot of people, I, I recently actually spoke to one of my girlfriends here. So she's a lawyer from Mexico. And um, and we were both saying, well, a, bit, a little bit off topic, but we're both from third world countries, right? So we come abroad and honestly, the, the best advice I could give is find a company you wanna work for, even if it pays so much less than what you would have gotten back in your home country. It's never gonna be that easy when you're abroad. You are sometimes just gonna have to try to get your foot in the door. Um, So for a lot of girls, I think I've I've suggested that. I know for for my first job, I really had to work really hard to, to get out of teaching and get a new opportunity. So I worked basically 24 hours for three months. And that was my way to sort of get into that. Other people would try and get into a university program Um, But at the end of the day, that international experience is so valuable, Um, work-wise at least. But if you want to start a a business in Asia, I think it has so much opportunity. Um, Because I was talking to another girl, or so many girls recently, and it's so easy to start your own product. We're right next to China. We have all the factories. Um, You can draw up something and have a design made, and there you go, and build a website and start selling. Um, but obviously it's more about building a brand and monetizing the quality of what you're selling and that can't always be easy to find but it's here I mean we're in the hub of where all the finance people are, all the entrepreneurs are sitting, um, where all the products and technology is being created so it's a great hub to start your own business. I feel like with all the networking and things and all the international people here it's it's impossible not like it's impossible not to get inspired I think while you're being abroad. Especially here, for me, Hong Kong and China does that a lot more than Korea did.
0: Okay. Now, I'm going to do the big announcement. You've lived in two foreign countries, right? Hong Kong. Hong Kong's not a country, but whatever. Um, And Korea, right? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, the big announcement, the big announcement... So you get two Mr. Worldwides. This is the award we give every expat who comes on the show. In fact, you have to have lived in one foreign country to get on the show. And if you lived in one foreign country, you get one Mr. Worldwide. You get two. Not bad. You got a ways to go to get up to five Mr. Worldwides. So take what you will of that. It's a journey.
1: It is a journey.
0: (laughs) Cool. Everybody reacts.
1: Because I lived there for three months.
0: Oh, that counts. That totally counts. (laughs) One second. I mean, it was only three
1: months. One second. Hold on, hold on.
0: That definitely counts. Three months is is more than enough. Alright, we gotta play it again. Sorry, we have to play this. I don't make the rules. This is part of the format.
1: That's cool.
0: So so that's impressive. I think I'm trying to get a 5 Mr. Worldwide person to come on the show. I think you're the highest so far with three. I have four.
1: Oh, wow. No, I'm, I'm getting Wait, close. Oh, yeah. Got, Japan and all those, I got yeah.
0: Japan, China, South Africa, and Taiwan, which I count as Ooh. another country.
1: Well, I'm pretty sure I can find expats here that have lived in ten different countries. We'll
0: get them. <laughs> send, send their email my way. We'll get them on the show. I
1: will. All right. <laughs>
0: Cool. So moving on from Mr. Worldwide. Uh, Living in Hong Kong, you're pretty close to Southeast Asia. And if you got a four day weekend, you got a lot of options. What's your ideal vacation spot for like a four or five day trip in the area, in the region?
1: Hmm. Well, under current circumstances, that would just be a hike over to Repulse Beach. But um, if I were able to travel, I guess my ideal spot, it depends on what I want to do because I feel like Thailand is fab if you just want to go chill by the beach, um, but then again I went to Dunham I think a few months or before all of this happened and I love Dunham, that was beautiful as well. I've never been to Bali, so maybe I'd go to Bali. Um, I don't know, that's a tough question, depends on what I want to do. Okay. Hmm.
0: And Repulse Bay. Well, I want to talk about Repulse Bay, because I just love that name. It's just so repulsive. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> what's the what's what's up with that name? It sounds disgusting.
1: It's so repulsive, but I love it.
0: Repulse It's one of my
1: favorite beaches here. It's beautiful. I don't know who came up with that name or what it even means.
0: Well, the British no, came is. up with it, but they must have had some kind yeah. of reason, you know. Somebody took a nasty dump there or something, who knows?
1: Exactly. I'm still trying to find the repulsive aspects of it. But yeah, my Instagram is full of repuls. I'm forever there. Because there's a really beautiful hike you can take from the city over to the the beach. Um, but I think that's my favorite thing on Hong Kong, is the hiking trails.
0: So you're a big hiker. And could you compare it to hiking in other countries? Like, what, what makes it special?
1: Oh yeah, sure. So, well... Hiking in South Africa is great, but it's a bit dangerous, so you shouldn't take your phone with you. Um, Hiking in Korea was stunning, but it took like a two hour bus ride to get anywhere um, near any of the beautiful mountains. So for me, Hong Kong, one, it's super convenient. I can basically walk out the front door, go up the mountain and just start walking and it will connect with all the trails. So definitely the convenience of it. And it's just it's just beautiful. The weather is always perfect. Um, now. It's a bit chilly though It's probably one of the coldest winters I've had here But um, yeah, I mean in summer it's a bit tough because it gets super humid But yeah, Hong Kong is great for hiking. It's just, just beautiful and it's yeah, safe So you don't have to worry s- about anything
0: You see photos of Hong Kong and it's and it, or if you just go there, it's so dense and so tall All those apartment buildings, they're impressively tall and all packed together. But a city like that, it's kind of nice where you can just escape like that. You get on one of those double-decker bus, takes you to the other side of the island. You go check out Repulse Bay. You eat some good Repulse Bay food. Delicious, not repulsive at all.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I think that's why people hike so much here, is because it's such a dense city. After a week... You just need space. You just want to breathe for a minute. And I think that's why going to the beaches and the mountains is so important here, because otherwise you just feel stuck in this little bubble.
0: Indeed. Indeed. Okay. Another question. We talked a little bit about this already, you being white South African. What kind of reaction do you typically get from the average person in Asia?
1: Oh, I have a funny story. So... I was in Korea. You know, English obviously isn't the first language there. So uh, uh, in broken English, the taxi driver asked me, where are you from? And I say, which means South Africa. He looks at me and he points at his hand. He's like, like, as to say, what's wrong with my skin color? Like, why am I white? Um, So he tries to explain that to me. And then I'm like, I don't know how to tell you in Korean that our population (laughs) <laughs> it's a bit of a mix, <laughs> but I feel like Koreans would often look at me like, "Oh, but you're, you have light skin." Um, so I think it was confusing for a few people, especially in Asia or Korea, that um, don't know much about South Africa. Um, one time, many years ago, I traveled to the States and to Aspen, and an American person actually asked me, "Do you actually have wild animals in your backyards?" And I was like, "No." I have a normal house. <laughs> so yeah, so I've been asked some funny questions for sure. But I also try to be careful with how I answer. I've also had mean comments, like um I was in a bar once and I think the guy was from the UK. He was like, Oh, South Africans are super racist and I was like, You don't know me personally, like please don't generalize, like You know, um, so, but I feel like people generally do generalize for some countries and I do get that. Um, But it's unfortunate if it's a negative generalization, I guess.
0: Indeed. All right. Now, being an expat, you meet a lot of weird people because a lot of weird people go abroad. Hong Kong, maybe not as much. Well, you do have weird cocaine, snorting, body chopping kind of banker types. But are there any yeah. other kind of weird expats you meet in Hong Kong? Uh,
1: I've actually, I have actually Yes, actually yes. I've met some people where I'm like, wow, like I, you know, like just people that I wouldn't say weird, just just different. I don't know. People that I wouldn't want to associate with 100%. Met plenty of those. Um, But I think that's part of living abroad is you are able to vet very quickly. Are you worth my time or not? Um, Because we don't have a lot of time abroad normally. And you know that investing into a friendship might not be a year. People might leave after a year. Um, But I think I've met more weird people in Korea. I think Hong Kong has been pretty chilled. I do feel like when I first moved to Hong Kong, I wouldn't say they were weird, but a lot of the people, I think somebody told me it's like, um, every like six out of 10 people you meet are probably millionaires here, right? So Hong Kong, there's a lot of money floating around. And I think as a result, I did meet a lot of people that were quite full of themselves. um, And it can seem a bit like egocentric, a bit too much. Um, So definitely saw a lot of that in Hong Kong. Um, compared to Korea where people are more laid back, but I like, definitely a lot of
0: there, for sure. Yeah, in 2008 or 2009, there was a huge influx of English teachers that were in Korea that came over to China, and I think they were doing uh, some new policies, mandatory drug tests, criminal background checks. They implemented all that maybe like 12 years ago or so in Korea. I could be wrong. could have been longer ago. But I do know a bunch of weirdos came over to China and I met a lot of them had some good times but uh, some weird stories like one dude I know who came over from Korea had a bit of a mental breakdown in a school he was in in Inner Mongolia and he ended up smearing feces all over the hallway of his apartment building and it was on security camera and everything so he went wild and well he was fired obviously but then he just moved to another part of China and got another job (laughs) what's that?
1: Was he sent back
0: home? No, he went. He moved to Nanchang. He moved down south.
1: Yeah, I think the
0: school... Because in mainland China, if you teach and you want to change jobs, you need to get a release letter from your former employer. So I think this em- employer was like, okay, we got to get this shit king out of here. Let's just give him the release letter and let somebody else deal with him. I think that's that's how they treated it. Yeah,
1: that is crazy. But I know I spoke to my brother the other day. And he lived in Vietnam, and I definitely think he met some oddballs over there. So I honestly think it depends on the city you're at. But Hong Kong's very international, so not half as weird as some of the people you would find in China and Korea and those places.
0: Yeah, and a lot of the people in China, we look over at Hong Kong, and we 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 see them as the the snobby expats. You know, they get their afternoon tea at the whatever nice British hotel with the really nice stack of sandwiches and stuff. Do you live that kind of luxe lifestyle over there in Hong Kong? Um,
1: I think I I like it. I enjoy the restaurants and stuff once in a while. I'm not so much a high tea person. Um, they, I've been invited to a few. There's definitely a lot of high teas, a lot of events. Um, it's a lot of glitz and glam for sure. Um, but I think I'm so much more outdoorsy. Um, that I don't necessarily necessarily do all the high teas um, but I definitely see a lot of the British influence um, in Hong Kong in general and um, I mean yeah of course I do all the restaurants and stuff um, Zuma is probably my favorite if you're ever in Hong Kong Zuma is amazing they have Zuma's all around the world don't they have one in Shanghai too?
0: probably, I, I don't know what Zuma is I okay.
1: feel very uncultured it's like a, a <laughs> it's a sushi restaurant, but it's really good. It's really good.
0: Okay, well Shanghai had a lot of really banging sushi, like really high-end stuff. Great food in Shanghai, by the way. Uh it's good. Have you been over there before? Oh, I know
1: the dumplings. What's that? street in China um in Shanghai where is that famous dumpling place?
0: Oh, I know what you're talking but about. Like I don't know r- the I don't know the street, but it's Xiaolongbao.
1: Yeah. Forgot the name now, but I remember the first time because Korean dumplings are made quite different to Chinese dumplings. So I went to that street when one of my Korean girlfriends came with me, and nobody warned me. Right, so I took a bite of this dumpling, and this hot juice or sauce like started pouring outside. I was like, "What on earth?" Like, and I was like, "Oh, you're supposed to suck it first, and then." Eat it, and in Korea it's so different. But I remember burning my mouth so badly, but it was really good. Um, but nobody pre-warned me with instructions on how to eat dumplings
0: there. Yeah, those things can really kill you if you if you don't know what you're getting into. But they are delicious.
1: <laughs> so dangerous.
0: So these these types of dumplings are called xiaolongbao, and they're like a Shanghai specialty or that region of China. They're from that part of China. Good stuff often integrated in the hong kong dim sum meal do you do a lot of that do you eat a lot of dim sum over there
1: oh yeah my one of my favorite restaurants is um madam and they do like an unlimited um, breakfast brunch with the dumplings um there's also duddles if you're ever in town duddles has really good dumplings um so i do enjoy it but i would say i prefer the dumplings or in in china um i wouldn't say i love the local hong kong food that much but maybe it's because we have such a good variety of western food um i do actually i went for korean food yesterday with my korean girlfriend and her american husband and um, I just realized how much I miss Korean food, and it felt like home, and it was just great to eat it. I couldn't say the same of the local food, here, yeah. but it's good once in a while.
0: Okay. Fair enough. Do you eat Korean barbecue? Do you eat beef?
1: Oh, yeah. I'm South African. I eat all kinds <laughs> of meat.
0: That is right. <laughs> South Africa has the best meat. That was I lived there three months, and it was the best meat-eating of, of my life, hands down. Thank
1: you. Exactly. I, I've honestly considered sometimes going keto because all I really need is meat and vegetables that I'm fine. I really need all that other
0: stuff. All that fluff.
1: All that fluff, eh? Hey? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I've been going to Asian supermarkets in Austin just to get a little taste of, of you know my old life. So I've been eating a lot of dumplings. I, I get the Korean frozen dumplings, the Chinese ones, the Japanese ones. I'd say they're all pretty good. You could check out we the H Mart. I I just I'm a I'm a simple man. I just like the the simple steamed like pork and celery or pork and vegetable kind of dumpling. Mm-hmm. Or like the Shanghai xiao long bao. I like those too.
1: Yeah, they're pretty good.
0: All right. So you're not single. You have a partner? but you were probably single at one point in your time abroad
1: um i personally had yellow fever so can't relate <laughs> to that first part but <laughs> i had a, a korean boyfriend who was a darling um had a few Korean boyfriends at were great um yeah so i can't relate um i'm i'm petite and i work well in asia i guess but um i do know what you're talking about though i did see a bit of that um in korea but I think it's fading now because the last few years it's been an influx of beautiful people from all around the world wanting to travel and live abroad. So I, I feel like that was more back in the day when Asia was odd and strange and people didn't think it was cool, but now it's cool. Um, so now you do get more higher quality people again choosing to move abroad. In Hong Kong, I definitely do not see that. Yes, there's um, obviously Yellow Fever in Asia, I get that. Um, for men for sure. Um, I know some Western girls married to obviously Koreans and local guys here So I don't think people really talk enough about women who also get yellow fever abroad, and some of us end up marrying You know into into the new cultures and stuff So it does happen.
0: I really want to get into the yellow fever now. Tell us what that's like. What's it like being a White woman with yellow fever in Asia
1: That's great that's great it's um i think well as you know it's it's an exotic experience it's something different and something you're not used to so i think that that adds to the thrill of it i was actually engaged to a korean guy we flew to japan and we were sitting on this beautiful beach and then um he proposed and then funny enough I, i guess yellow fever can only take you so far (laughs) <laughs> because when you actually start, <laughs> when you actually start, you know, realizing oh, the culture is so bloody different. Like, and my jokes are not funny, and I'm laughing at myself, and I don't know if I could do this in the long run. Because then things really started to kick in for me. Um, I met his family, and they were sort of trying to plan the wedding, and then I just realized I couldn't, and then I then I stopped and I switched back. So, but each to his own. I have a lot of girlfriends that are married to Asian guys, and super happy um so yeah i I think it's great um and and korean guys or asian guys i I can't speak out of korea i guess um are super sweet um very caring very sweet but for me i i love laughing i love a good joke i love good banter and i think that in the long run would have been really tough for me
0: with a language barrier yeah and the korean men they have their own stereotypes did he ever beat you no. Okay. <laughs> Just checking. Blink twice if he, if he did.
1: <laughs> okay, I'll talk to you after the show. <laughs> I'll tell you right, what so, really went down. No, I should so, say he was very strict, like very traditional. So I felt like, even yeah, because for us, like you can go party, I can go party, it's okay. But in that type of relationship, was like he was quite strict Korean. So it was like, I can go to the club, but if you do, there's trouble. Like, you shouldn't. Like, you're expected to act a certain way. Um, and I didn't like that.
0: He limited you to grinding on two strange men a night, right? You, no more than two.
1: How bizarre. Yeah, right?
0: <laughs> so it now can, you're... I
1: have over-
0: Okay. <laughs> So now you're with a American guy, correct? White guy? Yes.
1: Yeah. Yes, correct.
0: Okay. Well, we don't need to get too, too into him for his own privacy and your own privacy. Thank you. And so on. Yeah. But do you have any advice to, to young women, uh, not career-wise, but love-life-wise, being an expat, it could be challenging for some women abroad.
1: Oh, hundred percent. Um, I feel like, well, a lot of my girlfriends met their partners and got like married, like a lot of international weddings and all of that. So that part's super fun, but for sure, dating in Asia is not easy because obviously most people that come to Asia have yellow fever. Asian girls are incredibly beautiful. Um, and yeah, it's, it's different. And, and I think, but that's, also sort of why I liked moving to Asia because I could have a lot more guy, guy friends because I wasn't their cup of tea mm.
0: um,
1: and I didn't mind that so for me it was okay because I made a lot of friends and I thought it was great um, but if you're really looking for love um, it, it's not the easiest but then again it's not easy to date anywhere in the world anymore is it um, So, so yeah because but I think the biggest thing living abroad is people never stay long so it's really hard to get that long-term commitment type thing. I'd say that's the hardest. Um, I I left midway through a previous relationship with a Kiwi in in um, Seoul, and I had to go back home for a bit. Um, or if someone has to leave like that, never really helps relationships, I guess. And that's part of the expat life.
0: You meet a lot of creeps.
1: Um, Yes, I've been on two dates where I just walked out without saying anything because I just couldn't sit there any longer because you tried to be polite to say to an extent but then you're also like well there's no point. Um, So no not too many creeps. Um, I was followed once um, in Korea but I think that's because I was wearing like a, a cleavage top and you shouldn't really do that in Asia like you can show as much legs your skirt could be all the way up to your you know but and that's okay because the girls there have beautiful long legs but this part is only covered um so i was wearing like a, a lower cut top the one day going shopping and i realized a local korean guy was following me but it's i guess it's we're exotic to them i don't know how to explain it but uh, or what it really was. But anyway, so I noticed out of the corner of my eye, he was sort of going into the same shops, and I was like, oh, weird, maybe he's just, you know, doing his thing. Um, and I got into my bus and I went home. And uh, luckily, I was living with my 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 ex-boyfriend at the time, they, and another guy, they were both keys. And, um, and as I was about to put my key on the door, the Korean guy's like, right here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he had followed me all the way up to the third floor. And um, I was like, can I help you? And he's like, I wanted to talk to you. I was like, you could have bugged me on the street then. Like, it's kind of weird to follow me home. But I I was in such a panic. I didn't really know what to say to the guy, but I'm thinking all of this. Um, And eventually I was like, but he didn't think it was weird. So maybe it's a cultural (laughs) thing? I don't know. No, I, I, (laughs) I think you had a
0: grade A creep who probably just doesn't understand social norms. Maybe he's autistic or something, who knows?
1: But, exactly. he, but my favorite part was when the roommate with his full six pack and no shirt on opened oh, up the door and be like, "Danny, are you okay?" I was like, "Hi there." <laughs> They're from here, champ. <laughs>
0: well, that's good. That's very good yeah. that you had a strapping young man to protect you. Exactly. Did so did he think you're a prostitute or something? What why was what did he want to talk about? He
1: couldn't. It could have been actually for many years when I lived in Korea. Obviously, I have fake blonde hair. Um, I have brown eyes though, but I a lot of Korean men would be like, "Are you Russian?" I'm like, "I'm not Russian. I'm South African." And then they'd leave me alone because if they think you're Russian, they think you're um,
0: a whore. Sort of... Sorry, I said a yeah. whore. Yeah, <laughs> but to, to put it crudely. What do you say? A whore.
1: All oh, right. <laughs>
0: Yeah, but then
1: it's like, it's not good computation. So I think if you're small and you have light hair and you're semi-okay looking, they're going to assume that. So that's always, um, I guess, tricky in Asia is just establishing those boundaries. But then again, here, there's so many beautiful Russian girls. They're all models. Um, So I don't know why Korea has that stigma. Maybe they're just the influx of that there.
0: Yeah, my wife is blonde, and when we lived in China, she got hassled a fair amount by people who thought she was Russian, and she even had a guy similar to yours who followed her down the street, but he did talk to her and wouldn't leave her alone, and she was, like, trying to get away from him, and he kept, like, he was basically offering her money because he thought she was a Russian prostitute. That's crazy. Yeah,
1: Yeah. I've heard a lot of that. I've heard a lot of those.
0: All right, well, we've been recording for almost an hour and i I know you got stuff to do do you want to plug your daily dose or anything else before we go off the air
1: yeah sure i'd love to so if uh, anyone out there has a startup and they want to share their startup story and help motivate other people out there to do the same then please do get in touch um and you can either dm me on uh, my Instagram, or shoot me an email on my website, or just listen to one of the podcasts and see if it helps motivate you to start your business
0: cool, Daily Dose Danny, check it out thanks for watching thanks for listening goodbye